Our special guest this morning is a man you're probably already familiar with. He is the host of The Power of Positive Living. James Huey has been kind enough to join us. And you can participate, friends, by calling 744-4567. We're talking about, friends, the evolution of friendship, which is headed by James Huey. And it's a, a retreat for listening hospitality, which has a land base now, which we're going to get into. But originally, this all started out on the sea. Well, it did, and it slowly evolved, Charles. Okay. This, I, I take it you remained in private practice for a while and kept going out on cruises. What was the next step? The next step was that it was put on hold while I went to teach as the director of counseling services at Austin College up in Sherman, Texas. Mm-hmm. I was invited there to be a counselor, and I was there for five years and developed more of the concept of wellness. Mm-hmm. Then... After five years there, I gave myself a personal sabbatical and went to work in the travel industry. What made you decide to make the leap to get into a travel agency? I was interested in travel because I wanted to experience what running a business was like. I wanted to find out what retailing was like. Mm-hmm. I wanted to actually experience something in something tangible as well as mm-hmm. versus something abstract. I wanted a different experience, mm-hmm. a different way of communicating with people. I found I'm not a retailer, Mm -hmm. and that's when I sold the agency and moved on and gave myself the chance to take up with some passengers that said, you know, you really ought to do this full time. They said, you're so good at it. And you're talking about being on ship listening. So in 1986, I decided I would take a year and a half, and I went and just sailed on cruise ships giving lectures, enrichment-type lectures, and talking with people. Had you already made perhaps a contract agreement with the particular line or the captain of the ship, or how, how did you do this, or were you just extemporaneously appearing out of your cabin saying, I am here? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I got on the plane and flew to San Francisco and talked to two cruise lines there who do this type of programming. In other words, not all cruise lines do this and asked them to be a part of the entertainment staff. They accepted me, and so therefore I did it for a year and a half, and that was before I came to Galveston. Were you calling it friendship at that time? At that time, I had to figure out what in the world to call it. Mm -hmm. So I took the word friendship, which I believe I define as an atmosphere where you can dare to be yourself. Mm -hmm. That's how I define friendship. So Mm -hmm. I took it and took the word and divided it into the middle and made it friendship. And that's what I called the part at sea and part on land also. Now, were you contracting to different lines to do this? Were you paid to do this? Yes, this was on two different lines, Royal Viking Line and Royal Cruise Line, both out of San Francisco. So in a sense, you had opened your own new business. In a sense, yes. Tell me about the typical friendship experience on the ship in the beginning, '86, The very first cruise was out of New York going to uh, the Caribbean and through the Panama Canal up to Los Angeles. And the expectation was that I would be part of the entertainment program, and each passenger gets a copy of the entertainment program for that day, listing the movies, bingo, everything else. And along there was New Beginnings Lecturer. Mm-hmm. Dr. James Huey will talk about self-esteem and perfectionism. And the expectation is that I thought we'd do well if we got somewhere between 30 and 50 people. The theater held 210. And we started off, the very first one, we were hoping maybe for 10 or 12, 
and we wound up the very first one with 50, which was already we reached our expectations. Mm. And then we eventually pulled it up until eventually we got to 200 for the one on Friendship Mirror. It really went well. I know the ship line was kind of astonished because they hadn't expected to go well. But I sense that we were tapping something that people do like to learn about themselves, and they do like to do it in an entertaining and uh, positive model. Is what you're doing unique? Is anyone else doing anything like this? What is being done is probably what I call traditional personal growth kind of things where you try to push, you know, you sell tapes and you, you bring people into the ballroom and fill them up with your seminar to success and stuff like that. I think that's more traditional. Mine is not that way. Mine is much more individualistic. Others would possibly describe themselves that way, too, though, although perhaps they're not on a ship. How does what you do, James, compare to the positive-thinking gurus that we see on the tube today, huckstering everything from health and diet to real estate profits? So you turn on any of the given cable channels especially, and here's this 30-minute prepaid advertisement, which is brought out in the form of a talk show where the person being interviewed has this tremendous answer to every possible problem you've ever had and will even make you a millionaire while you're at it. <laughs> All through the cause of self-motivation and positive thinking, when actually these guys are in it for the money. How do you differentiate yourself from them, and do you encounter that kind of cynical assumption from people like me who may ask that question? Well, I figure that, you know, what I do is, you know, up for each person to decide. I'm not really out to determine what someone else thinks of me. Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable being James Huey. I feel comfortable having people make their decisions by what they see and what they hear and what they feel as they interact with me. Mm -hmm. In other words, I don't take responsibility for how someone decides they want to see me. And I see myself in being different in several key ways. One is that they are basically pitching something that is external going internal listening mm. to these tapes. And, and I think tapes have a role. I think tapes have helped a number of people. It's just like Dear Abby and Ann Landers, who I support, because they do a great service. There is a difference in my form because I don't believe that everyone fits into the same 40 regular suit. In mm. other words, it's an individual matter. And that's what makes the difference. It's an individual process. It's something that comes from within. Mm -hmm. Each person, I believe, finds that internally. And all I do, and I say that all because it is simple, is to create an atmosphere where the person themselves does the work. Not because of some magical insight that I give them. Not because of some book that they read. All I do is create the safety for them to explore themselves. And that's the difference. The difference being, somehow, by listening, you're allowing the person to solve their own problem. Well, and it's also not necessarily problem-oriented either. See, one of the things that I think is different from traditional psychology is that we as human beings don't have to have a problem in order to study ourselves and to learn about ourselves and to grow about ourselves. That's what I think friendship has taken a curve away from saying, you can still learn about yourself without having to have a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this, James. This gets us to the 
type of person that you're dealing with on the ships to begin with. Most of the time you're talking about well-established professionals, upper-income people that are able to get away on the cruises and such. Is what you're talking about for everybody, if you had a group of inner-city former, say, crack dealers uh, from New York City, could you get into a group like that, and how would you deal with them and espouse your philosophy of self-help? My belief is that philosophy would work. It's just I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not presumptuous in saying I know how to reach all people. Mm -hmm. My own education is growing. And if I assume that just because the model has worked effectively for X number of people, mm -hmm. it will automatically work for Y. I believe it will, but it has to be personalized. Mm -hmm. And I've not personally had dealings with inner city crack dealers. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Using the most extreme possible reference point there. I mean, it only works with people that I sent, that I've had experience with. In a sense, you've revealed a lot about your personal approach to what you're doing in the answer there that you described, in that you don't come off as somebody that has an instant solution and knows everything. And one of the things that, in still trying to get to know and understand who you are since you're around KGBC quite a bit these days, is you don't seem to be the typical professional that's in it entirely for the money. A lot of these people may have strong socially motivated personal concerns to want to get into doing what they're doing in the beginning. Obviously you had that too, but there's a lot of financial incentive there too. I don't get that impression with you. Have you bankrolled a big amount away for James Huey and you can live off the fat for a while from your professional endeavors as a clinical psychologist over in North Carolina? I have to make a decision like who am I and mm -hmm. why am I here and why do I get up in the morning mm -hmm. and what is the purpose of friendship and James Huey's life. Okay. And one of those is some people have to make that their personal choice too. I don't judge people who decide to make money or material things a part of it. I have questions if it's the total reason they get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. But if it's a significant part, I have no qualms with it. I just know that for me... I have already been through the path of having made lots of money and having spent lots of money mm -hmm. and finding that what makes me the values in my life are not necessarily money connected. I like to be able to pay the rent and eat food, but that's not the goal of why I get up. Okay, in 1986, your friendship program is operating on several cruise lines now, okay? Are you going from one cruise line to the other through the year, or what do you do in the off-season? Were you practicing somewhere as a psychologist? I started to develop what I call personal retreats. Mm -hmm. People who I would meet on the ship, or just people that I knew in various parts of this country, who would say, you know, I'd like to get together with you and spend some time talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's where the whole concept of personal retreats came from. I was finding myself traveling here and traveling there, or having people come to see me, and... What we would do is just take some time and listen to them talk about issues that were important, whether they had to be career, spiritual, personal, social. And that's when I said, hey, this could really be a formal program rather than just haphazard. And so that's when the idea of Friendship House came up. And in other words, carrying the idea of what you were doing on board a cruise line onto land. Right. Because there would be lots of people who would never get on a ship. And now you've opened one of these places in Galveston here. Tell us about your sojourn to Galveston. How did you get over here, and what was the 
situation that brought about Friendship House. Well, basically, Galveston is a nice central place. It's a wonderful place for people to come who want the retreat atmosphere. We, the beach is just great. You can do lots of talking out on the beach. There are lots of activities for people to come, and if their families want to do something else, there are activities for them. It's a centralized location here in the center part of the nation. It's easy to get in and out of. Climate is fairly respectable most of the year. There are just lots of reasons why Galveston is very appropriate, and it has wonderful hotel facilities, so I don't have to run a hotel in addition to doing a retreat center. And so we set up an individual retreat program that's based individually. And that's why I say it's not a program that people come in to plug into. It's just you and me mm -hmm. setting up what do you want to do and how can I help you. Most of the time, it's done at a location that's convenient and suitable. A lot of times it's done on the beach. Sometimes it's done in a, a hotel lobby. Sometimes it's done just walking the seawall. Somebody may rent a beach house and, you know, have a group, and we sit and talk. So, friends, we're talking about now, in talking to James Huey, Friendship House, a personal retreat center program where you can be heard and find support in your personal journey. This is all part of the literature that you were kind enough to present to me here, James. What do you charge for this? I charge $150 for a three-hour block. Okay. Give me a standard model as to how you approach the typical person in this three-hour time span. What is done with the average person? Well, the first thing is that we have to generally spend some time trying to find out what they want. I don't presume to assume that I know. And I don't have a preset program for them to slide into. Basically, it's what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? And it takes a while because most people come with the expectation that I'm going to do something to them or with them or I'm going to lead them down some path. It takes a while, a significant portion of those three hours or even another three hours before they realize they're the leader and I'm following their path. Mm -hmm. I'm not leading them down a preset path. Mm -hmm. That's a big change for most people. Now, you've been doing this land-based friendship association with people for how long now? This will be 15 months. Okay, in Galveston? In Galveston. Were the seminars on ships similar to your land-based operation, or what happened on a typical friendship seminar on board, say, the Royal Viking? There were two parts of the shipboard program. One was the part that I did for the ship line, which was to present the lectures. Mm -hmm. This is part of the entertainment program. Then what I call almost a personal psychological ministry, if you want to use those words, mm -hmm. was basically talking to people on my own. Mm -hmm. And that was whatever they wanted to say. They would come and see me and say, hey, this guy looks like he's fairly sane, and I'd like to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And then they would. You would give a lecture to, I guess, what, 200 people. Okay. Then it would convene to an area where whoever wanted to talk to you would talk to you, and would you would just conduct, say, with maybe as many as 200 people, uh, give and take? No. How would, would you go I about it? I would just say, folks, I'm going to be on this ship for two weeks, and I'll look forward to chatting with you about any of these issues, any of these points to ponder, as I call them, mm -hmm. that I brought up. You know, just feel free. I'll be by the pool, or I'll be in the library, or I'll be in the lounge, or on the deck. You know, feel mm -hmm. free. I would be glad to talk with you about your life story, your life novel. Okay, you mentioned the term life novel, and you've used that both in your literature and elsewhere to describe how a person develops their own script. Do you have an idea of your own life history or novel, 
how it will be remembered, and are you ambitious for being acknowledged as a mover and shaker in the self-help movement? I see myself as a small cog in a big wheel, which is the realization that we as human beings have the ability to decide and shape our own lives. I do not see myself as, for example, writing a book. I don't see myself as going those programs on cable television that you were describing. I basically see myself as continuing my personal growth as a human being mm-hmm. and being of assistance to people that I am in contact with, whether it's students in a classroom or whether I happen to be on a cruise ship or whether I'm counseling or whether I'm here on the radio. The underlying thread is that I hope that James Huey is remembered as someone who made a difference in some people's lives. Thursday evenings at 8 p.m., the power of positive living. You'll hear the strains of Aida uh, with uh, Giuseppe Verdi uh, bringing James Huey on this Thursday night and every Thursday night. As I thank you, James Huey, for showing up and being a part of Tuesday Morning Conversation. I'm Charles McCullough, and Francis K. Harris will be traveling in right around the bend. This is AM 1540 KGBC Galveston. This is James Huey, your host of Power for Positive Living. I invite you to join me each week as we participate together in the adventures of personal growth psychology. I'll be talking with some interesting guests, and I urge you to call in to share your views with us. Also, we shall be discussing some practical and diverse ways to enrich the quality of your life. So please join me here on KGBC each Thursday evening at 8 o'clock following the Bill Michelle Show.